Hey, it's Kaylin Priest, and you are listening to the Wholehearted Business Podcast. All right, welcome, my friends. I'm so excited to have you on here today. The way I want to run this session today is I'm going to drop about 30 to 40 minutes of like basically like a training here. Um, where you get to listen to me share my thoughts about money. If you read the emails and the posts, you've seen that I'm calling this session five things that you need to unlearn if you want to make more money. Feel free as we're going to drop questions in the chat and I'll respond to them all at the end. I'm going to leave hopefully 20 to 30 minutes at the end to respond to those questions that you have in the chat and also bring you on here for live coaching if you want. So we'll leave some time for that. Let's talk about money, shall we? The most, not the most, one of those weird taboo topics that people generally don't like to talk about, but I do because I think it's so fun. So here's the thing. We have really interesting relationships with money. It's kind of like sex, basically, right? Like I was debating if I should even bring up the word sex in this meeting because I never thought that I would have a podcast about sex, but here we are. The thing about, it's like no one teaches you how to do it. Everyone just expects you to know what to do and you feel embarrassed for not doing it well or embarrassed for saying that you want it, right? There's so many like complicated, interesting layers about of emotions and thoughts wrapped up in money, which is part of the reason why I love to talk about it so much. And what's really cool about coaching about money in a group like this is that all of you here are business owners. And so it's not a mystery to you that money is a desire that's on your heart. Whether you have fully admitted that to yourself is up for debate, right? Like I look back at my first few years in business, I was like, oh, this is just my creative outlet. If I can make a little bit of money on the side, that's great. But deep in my heart, I had an actual desire to like make a lot of money for my business. And it took some time for me to be able to open my mind up to the possibility that that was possible and also admit to myself that that was true, that I really wanted that. So if you struggled with money up until this point in your life, there's nothing wrong with you. It's totally normal. And all of us have been raised with certain thought patterns and ways of looking at the world. And and that's okay. Nothing's gone wrong here. But you have this really cool opportunity if you choose to embark on this journey of exploring new ways to think about money, to basically recreate your actual experience of money and your actual like financial picture, which is my actual experience. Maybe I'll tell more about that later. But if you want to, there are ways to make more money, but it requires reprogramming the old ways that you used to think about money or maybe the ways that you think about money on this call right now. That's what we're going to work on reprogramming today. There's, um, let me tell you first, two books I really love. If you are new to money mindset, Two books that I would for sure recommend starting out with. One is You're a Badass at Making Money. If you've followed me for more than two seconds, you've heard me talk about this one. It does have swear words in it. So language warning. If you want a book with no language, I really like this one too. Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. It is, this one is like really well written and it's super fun and entertaining. This one is not that way, but it has really, really good insights. So those are the two books I'm going to be pulling some of my thoughts from today. But one quote that I really love, this one's from Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. It's not what we know that prevents us from succeeding. It's what we know that just ain't so that is our our greatest obstacle. 
you can heal and transform your relationship with money in a way that makes it actually easier for money to come into your life. Like I said, that has been my actual experience, which is why I'm super passionate about it and think this is so fun. Um, it's realizing and being open to the possibility that not everything your brain has been telling you is true. And I really like this quote, this from your badass making money. She says, it's basically like watching people starve when there's an all you can eat buffet down the hall. That's how, that's how money is. It's all around us. It's so abundant, but some of us just don't know how to claim our piece of it. I don't even like to say peace because that's not even what it is. We don't like to claim any of it. The money is here for you waiting for you to take it, take what's yours and make something amazing with it. So the first thing, there are going to be five principles today that you have to unlearn if you want to make more money. First, we have to unlearn that success is outside of you. You have control over your financial success. I want you to just let that sink in for a minute. You have control. You basically get to choose what your financial situation looks like. You are the one who creates success you are the one who creates mediocrity or you are the one who creates struggle around money. That's kind of a confronting thing for me to say, especially if you are struggling with money to say like, and it's your fault. You know, that's not quite what I'm trying to say. I just want you to see the truth that you are the one who creates that. And if you're tired of creating the struggle, you're currently experiencing a struggle. You have an option to create something else. I really love the analogy of a tree here because a lot of us, see our money situation as the fruits on our tree, basically. And it's like, oh, my tree's growing apples and I don't really like apples, but I guess that's just the way it is, right? My 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 money tree is not growing a lot of money and I guess that's just how it is. That doesn't have to be how it is. The fruit could be making a lot of money or the fruit could be making not a lot of money. But if you want to change the fruits on the tree, you have to change the roots. A lack of money is a symptom of what's going on underneath. If you want to change your outer world, if you want to change your fruits, you have to change your inner world first. Your inner world inner world is who you are, how you think, what you believe, your habits, your thoughts, your feelings about yourself, your thoughts and feelings about others, your belief in your worth. Notice I haven't said anything about, oh, the way to make more money is to sell a different product or to sell more products or to have a better Instagram strategy or a better sales strategy. I love all those things. But those are part of the fruits. Those are the branches on the tree. We have to start with the roots first, which is you. Inside how you think and feel about yourself, about money, about others on a daily basis. Most of us just believe that what our mind is telling us is true. But most of the time, very often, it's not true. And you have the option to choose something different if you want to. So my goal for this first principle is just for you to entertain the idea that you have the power and ability to transform your current financial situation if you want to, instead of being a victim of your circumstances, instead of wasting time rationalizing the mediocre when you could be spending time creating something magnificent. So a couple of common ways that I find people, women specifically, believing that success is outside of them looks like blaming, blaming the economy, blaming the government, blaming maybe it's the type of business that you chose or the Instagram algorithm or your spouse or your parents. If you find yourself, if you find, actually, let's say it this way, if you find your brain trying to trick you by saying that your financial situation is because of someone else. Your brain is lying to you and it's okay. Don't go down the road of judging it. 
it's just really good to be aware of that, right? So you can say, mm, that's not how I want to think. And I want to choose something different. Another way that's super common that I see women choosing is justifying. And I hear often things like, well, money's actually just not that important. There's other things that are important too. Family's more important. The time I spend with them is more important. And I agree. I do think it is more important, but it doesn't have to be either or. Both can be possible. You can choose that money is important and that you want to make a lot of it. And you can also spend a lot of time with your family. That's an option that's available to you. I've seen a lot of women get tripped up in this, specifically in business, where they think that the money they're making is either because of the product or service that they chose. And their brain's like, oh, if you would have just picked a a better product or a more trendy product, you would be making more money. Or if you timed the market, right? If you got in at the right time, then you can make more money. Or if you picked the right niche, or if you have enough training or skills, then you can make enough money. All of those things are circumstances that are outside of you. If you think any of those things have an effect of how much an effect on how much money you're making, just just notice like, oh, my brain is trying to make me a little bit of a victim here. My brain's trying to convince me that my success the key to my success is in something else that's not me, which is not true. Okay. Principle number two, we have to unlearn that money is limited. This one was something that really tripped me up for a long time. My brain just sort of thought like in the fin- in the economy, in the financial landscape, whatever that looks like, it's a big pie and everybody gets a slice and some people's slices are bigger and some people's slices are smaller. So if you try to claim a piece that's bigger, that means you're taking away a piece from someone else. It's completely not true. There is no pie. Money is abundant. Money is, this would be interesting for you to play around with, unlimited. This is kind of a funny thing that I've been thinking about recently. When I see like sports teams being purchased for billions of dollars or airlines that are making billions of dollars in revenue a year, I like to just like ask my brain to start looking for evidence that there is so much money in our world available. And, you know, I'm, I'm over here running my business trying to make a portion of money, but there is so much available to us. And the phrase that comes to my mind is like, we're living below our means a lot of the time. Um, one thing that I really like, some of you have probably heard about this principle of abundance versus scarcity. If you haven't, we're going to start from like ground level scratch just to like bring this to your awareness because I didn't learn this until a couple years ago when I started doing this money mindset work and it kind of changed everything. So there's abundance and there's scarcity or lack. A lot of us kind of live and hang out in this lack perception of the world where there's not enough to go around. Um, that what you desire doesn't even exist, that it can't be yours, that you can't claim it, that it's not available to you, that there's this pie that has to be split. And that is a way that you can experience the world or you can choose to see the world in abundance, which is actually the truth. So I really like thinking about like abundance versus scarcity. Sometimes my brain's like, abundance sounds kind of too good to be true. Like, is that actually true that there's just like, abundant amounts of money available to me, unlimited amounts of money available. That sounds kind of too good to be true. Like my experience is that you have to be really careful about how you spend money. You have to be really wise and you have to like work really, really hard in order to make it. But one thing that has helped me see my world differently is looking for examples of abundance in nature. 
And this is where my belief in God becomes so connected with my belief in the availability of money to me, because it's like when I look out in nature and I see plants that completely rely on rain falling from the sky to survive. Most of the time, sometimes we have gardens that we have to actually like water and take care of too, right? But like just, just regular old weeds growing on the side of the freeway rely on water falling from the sky in order to survive. When I look at birds, they rely on those plants on the side of the freeway or wherever in the mountains surviving off of the rain so that they can have food to eat and materials to make their nests and things, right? My son, Grant, is really interested in honeybees. And so all the time, we're always checking out books from the library about honeybees. And it just is another beautiful example to me of like, one of these systems that God has created to make sure that all of his creations are taken care of on autopilot. Like one of the books that we've been reading recently is called The Bee Dance, The Honey Bee Dance, I can't remember. And it basically talks about how scientists have figured out how there are certain bees there, I think they call them pilot or scout bees that will go out and find food sources and then come back to the hive. And they have this particular type of dance that they do. And it's a figure eight shape. And the like the number of times they dance in a circle and the distance between tells the other honeybees how far to go to get their food, which is just like one of those weird things, right? In nature, that's like, what? That's crazy. But I see it as, and it as evidence of abundance in our world that God has created systems to take care of us and to make sure that we get to live to the fullest expression of ourselves. I really love that phrase. Okay, so I'm going to read a section from You're a Badass at Making Money. It's kind of a long one, but just just stay with me, okay? I'll try to I'll try to summarize it. One of the biggest obstacles to making lots of money is not a lack of good ideas or opportunities or time or that we're too slovenly or stupid. It's that we refuse to give ourselves permission to become rich. Everybody arrives on this planet with unique desires, gifts, and talents. And as you journey through life, your job is to discover what yours are to nurture them and to bloom into the most authentic, gleeful, and badassiest version of yourself. In order to do this as a human being in a modern society on planet Earth, you must be rich. And let me clarify what I mean by rich, lest you think I'm saying that your life is worthless unless it involves a mansion and a yacht. Rich, able to afford all the things and experiences required to fully experience your most authentic life. I love that so much. A healthy desire for wealth is not greed. It's a desire for life. As a member of the human species, you are part of nature and everything else in nature is provided with all it needs to carry out its desire to thrive and flourish. So why wouldn't you be? Nature is a fine-tuned, well-thought-out machine that is all about the fullest expression and perpetuation of life. Mother Nature gets an A plus in systems management and resource replenishment. I, I like to sneak in here like all of this has to do with God. All of this is because of God's design for us. She's got it down. When it's when it's mankind that gets freaky and scared and greedy, that's when nature gets thrown out of balance. We pollute, we strip, we destroy, we hoard our resources. All of nature is forever moving, growing, changing, reproducing, evolving. It's all the rage. Even the dang universe itself is expanding. Likewise, you're not meant to just survive, to stay stagnant, to settle. You are meant to keep growing and thrive. Just like the tree that sucks up nutrients, water, and sun, 
grows to its tallest, mightiest height and drops crap all over our yards that will then spawn the next generation of trees. And the frog that miraculously grows from egg to tadpole to adult, you two are meant to reach your fullest expression of the you that is you to inspire and birth awesomeness in others and to use whatever resources you need along the way. The difference, of, the difference being, of course, that unlike the trees and the frog, you are human. So unless your truth involves living in a cave on rent-free land, carving images of caribou on the wall with a pebble while dining on nuts and berries not owned by Monsanto, pretending that you can reach great heights without proper funds is crazy. In fact, if you are here to become the grandest, most generous version of you, which you are, and if that costs money, which it does, it is your duty as a hallowed child of mother nature to get rich. I love this so much. It's so easy for us to see that truth in nature, right? Well, of course it's the design for the trees to grow really big and the flowers to bloom really big and the, the animals to grow and survive and reproduce and keep it going for the next generation. But when it comes to us humans, we're like, oh no, that's I don't know if that's true. I should just stay humble and live in my little house and be happy with what I have which I think is an important principle to be able to do that too. But if you want something more, that's not a problem. There's nothing wrong. I was reading something, I think it was actually in this book, that she says the phrase that God gave you those desires. And I've been kind of like mulling that over in my mind, like God gave me the desires that I have. Just interesting, right? Okay, so that's abundance versus scarcity. We have to unlearn that money is limited. Number three, unlearn that rich people are bad. If you view rich people as bad in any way and you want to be a good person, it's going to be really hard for you to be rich. We have to unlearn that rich people are bad. We have to come first, come to terms with our own desire to be rich. I think this is super interesting because when I notice, when I catch myself being jealous of people who have a lot of money, I like to just stop for a second and be like, interesting, there's something here that my brain wants deep down inside, when I feel a little bit triggered or jealous of rich people, there's something here that my brain is trying to tell me that I want that I don't have, which is just interesting, right? Um, I read all those quotes just a minute ago from your badass making money that I love the definition of rich as able to afford all the things and experiences required to fully experience your most authentic life. It's not about just buying things for the sake of buying things. It's about having things that make you really happy. And no one else gets to choose what those things are. It requires you to get to tune into that and get super aware of that. Um, Yeah, I read that quote too. The only person who can answer what you truly need to be the most joyful you is you. And the trick is getting super clear on that amidst an endless supply of inner and outer opinions and influencers and people who we follow on Instagram, right? It's getting really good at listening to your intuition and your heart and following your happiness. I really like this quote from Wallace Waddles. He says, whatever may be said in praise of poverty, the fact remains that it is not possible to live a really complete or successful life unless one is rich. That's kind of an interesting one, right? Because a lot of us resist being rich or feeling rich or desiring to be rich. The whole problem is that we have so many different definitions of what that looks like, but like Truly, you can't really experience or express the fullest version of yourself without having access to a lot of resources. Some of those resources include money. So we have to sort of play around with the definition in our minds of those words like rich 
and wealthy because for a lot of those words, we just have like drama attached to them and we have negativity attached to them. But if we redefine it and play around with the way that your brain is thinking about what it means to be rich, we can loosen that a little bit. So your brain is not like being rich equals bad. So one thing that I wanted to say is that if you find yourself judging rich people, totally normal. Don't make your, don't go down the road of judging yourself for it. One thing that I like to do is change my either distaste for their choices. Sometimes it really is just flat out jealousy into admiration, admiring rich people and the choices that they make with money. I even like to go to the length of blessing them. Bless them for making the choices that they have. I I think that's wonderful for them. And I send all of my good vibes and thoughts to them. Just expanding that resistance that you have to people who you see around you who are rich and expanding that a little bit is a really important key to creating that experience of reality if you want to. The next thing that I wanted to say about this is that for a lot of us, we kind of think there's this either or. You can either do what you love or you can make a lot of money. You can either be a good person or you can be rich. You can either help the world or you you can help yourself. You can either go on vacation or be super wise and save your money. The first thing that I want to say is that this is just a limited view, right? Say that it can only be one or the other. What about and? Can it not be and? You can be a good person and be rich. That You can do what you love and make a lot of money. That you can help the world and help yourself. You can go on vacation and be wise and save your money. Instead of looking on ways that you can cut back and save and play it safe, look. start looking for ways that you can expand and grow and make more. That's actually one of my favorite solutions. If you find yourself in a tight financial situation, there's a lot of options of ways that you can cut out and limit and stop and decrease. What about ways that you can expand and increase and grow and claim even more, bring more income in? Those are some of my favorite questions to play around with. You can have a successful business and be an amazing mom. That one was mind-blowing for me for a long time. <laughs> My brain tried to make it seem like the two, those two experiences of reality could not coexist. They can, and they do often, really beautifully. You can have faith in God and have a ton of money. You can run your business and you can travel. You can go on vacation and save for the future. I just really like to make space for that and word because the the or word cuts it off, right? But the and is almost like these two things can sort of like balance together. They can coexist together. Here's another really interesting one. A lot of women that I coach have this sneaky fear of being rich, which is really interesting, right? If you're running a business because your desire is probably to make a lot of money, but then it's like there's this upper limit where it's like, oh, but if I make more than this, then that would be a bad thing for whatever reason, fill in the blank. And sometimes this is like sneaky subconscious. Like this shows up for a lot of women that I coach. Like I'm I'm scared of being too successful, basically. I'm scared of having too much money. I'm scared of being too visible, being too impactful in the world. And it's like, we have this sneaky secret fear that making too much money would turn you into a bad person on its own. But that's not what happens. A lot of us think that it's the money that turns people into bad people or people who make decisions that other people may or may not make. But, or that making a lot of money would make you stop caring about your family or that making a lot of money would make you stop caring about your faith in God 
or that making a lot of money would make you stop caring about other humans in the world. And some, some of you are already aware of these fears, but for some of them, it's sneaky. This may be lying hidden underneath in your subconscious right now. So a couple of analogies that I like that just help me get super clear about what actually happens with money. I like to think of money as ketchup and me as the French fry. Like the only way that the ketchup gets into my mouth is through the vehicle of the French fry, which is me. The money doesn't have power on its own even though we like to give it a lot of power in our minds and the way we think about things. I am the vehicle. So I get to decide with my thoughts and beliefs what I'm going to do with the money that I have and if I'm going to let money change who I am. The truth is that the money doesn't change who you are. You change who you are. And you don't have to do that if you don't want to. And I think that fear is a little bit smart right? It's your intuition knocking like, hey, I don't want to be a person who hurts other people or who is unaware of other people. I want to be the person who takes care of other people. So that foundational belief in who you are gets to come along for the ride. We can even accentuate that and amplify that when you have more resources to give, right? Another analogy that I really like is a hammer. It's like money is the hammer. The hammer can't do anything on its own. The power is in the person who's wielding it. And so if the person who's wielding it has negative intentions, I, I even like loosely want to like say our judgments of rich people are inside of us, right? Like the rich to us, we might think, oh, that rich person's doing something bad, but they might not think or believe that way. So that's just something to be aware of. So let's just say that the, the person who is, that does have a lot of money does do things that are harmful and that do hurt people, that's because of the person. That's not because of the amount of money that they make. That's not just, that's because of the person's thoughts and beliefs about themselves and about the world. That's the reason why that happens. And so I just really like to be like aware of that. Like, oh, I can choose my, how I decide to experience my life, my reality when I do make a lot of money. It doesn't, it's not like you make a lot of money, therefore you make bad decisions with money. That doesn't have to be the case. Let's go to number four. We have to unlearn that it's bad to want nice things. A desire for wealth is not greed. It's a desire for life. That comes from your badass making money. I read that one just a few minutes ago. So I thought this would be fun. Just give you a little example. I want to tell you some of the reasons why I want to be rich. (laughs) And I like love hearing myself say this out loud because a few years ago, I would have thought like I could first of all, never say out loud the words I want to be rich without feeling all kinds of judgment about myself or being super worried and scared about how people would judge me. But I've been doing so much work on my thinking about money and reading so many books and getting coached on it by my one-on-one coach and joining groups like this, that people can help expand my thinking about it, that I feel no guilt saying that I want to have a lot of money and that I want to do awesome things with it. So I wanted to give you an example in your life of a woman who is saying these kinds of things because There are not very many women saying these kinds of things that we want to have a lot of money and we don't feel guilt spending it. So I want to tell you some of the things I want to spend money on or that I do spend money on that I love. First, I just really love the idea of having more money than I know what to do with. That's actually my goal. It's a belief that I'm like practicing. Um, Jules is here. She went to our fund retreat over the weekend and I learned this new 
way to put reminders in my phone. So they pop up on my phone throughout the day. And one of my reminders is I am someone who makes more money than I know what to do with. And the importance of that is it's a reminder that comes into my brain multiple times throughout a day, throughout the day. And the reason why that's so powerful is because when that thought is in my brain, I start looking for ways to make that my actual reality, which is so fun. Also, I give myself permission to want the things that I want and to get the things that I want, which I think a lot of women could live into that a little bit more to be super honest and clear with yourself that you do want nice things and to get super honest and clear about what those things are with specificity. So a couple of things that I love to spend my money on. I love furniture. It's like the first thing that I usually choose to spend my money on. I love home decor. I love making my home look the way that I want it, the way that I want it to look. Um, Nate and I love to entertain friends and family and have people over. I love having a space that's big enough for everyone to come and to be. I love having furniture that's large enough for everyone to fit and be comfortable. I love furniture and home decor that looks beautiful. I love the feeling that I get when I'm in my home and it feels peaceful and clean and calm and it's pleasing to the eye. The feelings that I get from my home are peace and tranquility. I feel the spirit of God. I feel love. I feel creativity. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. That's something that's really important to me. Beyond just the actual material things that I have in my home, the feeling that I get in a home that's the way that I want it to look, and even if your home is not the way that you want it to look right now, that's what I want is that feeling and that experience and having a place to gather people. I love traveling. Traveling is like a sensory experience for me. It's like, I like seeing the new visual stimulus. I like seeing different landscapes and different places and people. I love hearing different sounds, the ocean or the city. I love feeling or touching different things, the sand under my feet, the mountains under my feet. I love tasting and smelling new food. That's 95% of the reason why I travel because I love to eat. I love, I also love the quality time and memories that I get with the people who I travel with. Other things. I love having cute, comfortable clothes. Actually, if I had to put those in hierarchy, comfortable is more important to me than cute right now. <laughs> I'm still figuring this one out. And it's my brain or my brain, my body is in this changing, flowing state right now. And so I get to kind of work with that too. But I love having clothes that feel good on my body. I love having cute, buying cute clothes for my kids. I love having cars that are clean and dependable and nice. I love going out to eat. I love make, eating food that I didn't have to make. I love having a babysitter who takes care of my kids so that I can do the work that I love to do. And I love that my business makes money, but I also just genuinely really love what I do. I love hiring someone to deep clean my home once a month. I love buying books. I just think it's a little bit uncommon to hear how women love to make money and how we love to spend it without guilt attached to it. The other thing that I wanted to say is that I think the reason why I feel no guilt about those desires and saying them out loud is because of the money mindset work that I've been doing, like I said before. But I wanted to say that this is not one of those things where you do your money mindset work and then you're cured forever. And it like you you always have you always think about money in the best way. It's this is like an ever um, it's like an unfolding piece of origami. One of my clients used that analogy the other the other day that I loved. It's like there's always a new layer being exposed that you can work on and expand, which is also part of why I love this work so much. And I do a lot of this work with my one-on-one -on -one clients 
because if you have a business and you want to make a lot of money, we have to, we have to expand that thinking inside of you, but it also will help you in the way that you interact with your customers so much. When you see the world in this, when you see money in this expanded way, that's less dramatic and less stressful and scary and start seeing it as abundant and there's options available. Okay. The fifth and final one is to unlearn that God doesn't want you to make more money. Let's talk about some reasons why he would, why he actually does want you to make more money. First, the first one that comes to my mind is the more you make, the more you can give. That seems obvious, right? The less you have to worry about you, the more brain space you have to help take care of other people. That is highly under undervalued. Just having, when you are in a situation when you don't have to worry about your own situation, your own finances, what could you do with that brain space instead to help God's other children? You also have the financial resources to help if the need be. You have the time freedom to help. If the need be, you have the time freedom to spend with the people who are really important to you. That's why I'm like, it's so funny to me that my brain used to think so often that if I made more money that I wouldn't be as available to my family. It's actually the exact opposite. That's true. The more money I make, the more available I am to my family in actual physical presence, also mental presence and less, you know, when I'm less stressed and worried, I have a lot more space in my brain to be able to give. Location freedom. You can get to places where the people that you love are. If you live, if your family lives far, your friends live far, people that you want to spend time with are far, the you get the opportunity to be with them more. Just like the nature examples that we talked about before, God wouldn't put you on this earth without everything that you need to achieve the fullest expression of yourself. Whether or not we get it and how we go get it is the question, right? I'm really playing around with this thought, this belief that God has given me my desires. I think the reason why I'm playing around with this is because I saw this this money mindset coach who I follow, and I like a lot of the principles that she teaches, but she posted just over the weekend that she bought this designer purse, or she got it for her birthday, actually. Her husband bought it for her. And because I am nosy, I like was researching how much it was, and the purse was $30,000. And of course, in, in that instant, when I realized that, when I saw it pull up, I was literally like Googling it. I was going to figure this out because I was so nosy. But like, I had this moment where judgment appeared in front of me. I had a judgment to this woman of like, I cannot believe someone would spend their money like that, which was interesting for me to notice, right? And then I went back to wait, but I choose to be a person who doesn't choose, who doesn't judge the way people spend their money. So what if that was the best thing that she could spend her money on? Can I release my feelings about that and my emotions about that? The more you can do that kind of work, the more it's going to allow you to actually get and have the things that you want. The more you make, the more you can give. We talked about that. I also want to talk about this word frivolous because I talk about this a lot with my clients. Like, oh, but if I buy nice things, that would be frivolous. And I just think that's a really interesting word because I think the word frivolous indicates like self-indulgent or careless, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can spend a lot of money on nice things and also be again, that and word, right? And be a really good steward of your money and take care of your money really well. That word frivolous is almost like this, this layer that we're putting on because we're judging ourselves for the money decisions that we make. But what if that didn't have to be the case? What if you could just live into it and be super grateful for the things that you get to spend your money on? The last thing that I want to say is that 
I don't want any of you to leave this call under the impression that I think that money makes you more happy. I actually think that practicing joy and gratitude and peace in your current circumstance, whatever that is, even though I just talked about all the ways to change that, right? Letting yourself practice having peace and happiness and joy and comfort in your current financial state, whatever that is, is the key to creating more of that, to creating more of what you want. And so it's this interesting paradox, right? Of like, I do believe that making a lot of a lot more money is super fun, but I don't think that it makes me more happy or it makes my life better or it makes me more joyful. And so I just wanted to point that out because that can get twisted and sneaky, right? I don't, I do like to make a lot of money, but not because I think it will make me more happy, but because I I already, I already am happy right now. I already like myself. I already love my family. I like my life. And so I still like to make a lot of money because I now see it as a fun challenge to figure out how much I can make, to practice my business skills, to practice my selling skills, to practice getting super clear on how I can help people and serve people. If you can figure out how to help people and serve people, you will never have to worry about making money. And I think that you charging them money is actually a way for you to serve them and help them. So I don't desire more money because it would make me more secure or more comfortable or more peaceful. I already have that. And if I can really live into feeling that right now, even though I do have big financial goals, it makes it a lot easier to create those financial goals without thinking that things will be better when I get there for a certain reason. Okay, I'm ready for your thoughts. Okay, Callie says, my favorite thing to think is God wants me to be wildly successful. I love it so much. Who wants to come on? I'll come on. <laughs> hey, Tressa, let's do it. Hey, okay, I have a question. Um, I have, in the last few months, I've had a money goal come into my heart and mind. It's, I want to make 250K in a year. I love it. And I it's like really scary and I'm, but exciting and I'm trying to plan it out. And I don't know what's, what's your advice or like, where can I go from here? Tell me what feels scary about it. Well, so yesterday I wrote out numbers like, cause so I've been reading the year of badass at making money. And she talks about the power of setting like specific goals like this. And then she said, you know, you need to kind of plan your numbers so you can make it happen, but also be open to God. Right. And so with this course I've started, I kind of mapped out 2024 and I, I think I could, um, make 150 K. So I'm trying to figure out, and that's just for my course. I can still do photography and make more money, but I also want to make the 250 K without running myself ragged while still being, you know, peaceful and secure and a really good intentional mom. And so I don't know, that's where I'm at. I really love that. Everything that I would say are the things that you would just say, like trying to back into that goal from like, okay, what are the actual offers that I have? How many of those offers would I have to sell? Sometimes I like to break it down into like a monthly basis too, because sometimes with my offers, I sell certain things in certain seasons at certain times. And so kind of having that further breakdown helps too, while also leaving space for miracles, Mm -hmm. right? Things that you couldn't foresee that could happen. But right now I'm curious how or tell me if this is true. Does it feel like there's a gap of like a hundred grand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
do you, so let's say that you make 150 grand from your course. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that your brain is probably thinking I'd have to make up the other hundred grand in my photography clients. That, and that's what my brain is telling me. And, um, like my biggest year in photography last year was 80 K. And after I did that, I really wanted to like chill. It was crazy. (laughs) Much. Yeah. So I started off this year thinking it's okay to not make as much money. It's okay to not make as much money because I'm going to be a calmer, happier mom. And I'm okay to make 50 K or whatever. And then finally this summer, my mind switched and I decided, you know what? I can desire lots of money and still be a good mom and not have to work so much, but I, I can do it and God will help me. And that's where this course came from. Love it. If you, if you could pick your ideal year, as far as photography hours, do you have a finger on what that would look like? Like how many hours I would put in? Yeah. Or like, specifically I'm basically asking how many hours do you not want to put in I mean I don't want to make more I don't want to work more than 20 a week okay okay with so a couple of options Uh uh-huh I really like the specificity of that like this is my boundary this is my limit I don't want to work more than that anymore so a couple Mm -hmm. of options could be raising your photography prices Mm -hmm. which we talked about um other options could be why couldn't your course make 250k next year yeah that and that's what I want to lean into. I don't, I, it's not that I don't want to shoot anymore, but I want to just do it here and there for fun or for like weddings or whatever. Um, I want my money to be from the course and my stability and, and my goals and grand ideas to come from that. I love it. I think you have enough of a skeleton to start working towards that. You've, you've, you've considered several different options you consider mm-hmm. what you for sure don't want to do that's actually mm-hmm. the most important to me is like okay. I could do it if I work 60 hours a week you know I'm like no 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 no. that's not what we're doing also the other thing I want to say is that if you ever find your your financial goal feeling limiting or feeling like constricting mm-hmm. let's look at the goal a little bit but if it feels like expansive and fun and exciting I'm on board for that but just be aware notice if you ever feel like it's being constricting. Let's just get, let's just work on it a little bit and get super clear about what's feeling worrisome or scary about it. But I think you have the framework to do that. And I really love the idea of leaving space for miracles next year. Okay. But I mean, yeah. Okay. So I'm, but I'm in the right mindset, right? I'm in the right, like there's nothing else I could be doing. I don't want you to think like, oh, I have to be in like the gold star standard mindset in order for this to work. Cause you know, I have days too, where my money mindset honestly sucks, but I like the, I like the vision that you're casting. And I like also that your brain is even playing around with the possibility of it. Like, wouldn't that be cool? That would be so cool. I would love that. Then your brain, if you're like me, it goes to like, but how, you know, it's like, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, what if I don't, if I lean more into the miracle than I do into the how and let God teach me along the way, there might be an opportunity that I can't see right now that comes along in June next year. Yeah. Makes that possible. Like I know for you, you just launched your course. That's amazing. You could also take on -on one-on-one coaching clients. You could also offer many digital products. You know, the opportunities are seriously limitless. And so keeping yourself in the mindset or the the mind space, rather, I like to say is like, it still feels expansive and fun. So what do I want to do? 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. That that's kind of where I'm at. I just wanted to make sure that was, I just needed permission. <laughs> yes. You have permission. Not that you needed it for me, but you can give it to yourself too. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I love that. Okay. Kelly says, how do you keep the worry of having to make money from getting in the way of feeling abundant? I have so many thoughts about that. <laughs> so the first thing that I would say is that Callie, I really like that awareness that you have that like my stress about money is making it hard for me to see the opportunities all around me. So the first thing that I would say is your brain is going to want to go to like, but like on my budget, things don't work on a spreadsheet. Things don't work. But what if we practice and like, I see that and I recognize that's a thing and that's a need. I've been there too. But what if we start first with practicing feeling at peace with the current situation that you have, that you have. And sometimes that feels a little bit vulnerable, right? I can think of a situation where Nate and I were in, when we were first newlyweds, we were both in school. I was at BYU, he was at UVU. We were living in Provo. Our rent was $600 a month. We thought that was so expensive. And now it's like at least double that. Um, but we, we like sat down one day to do our budget. And it was like, Literally the things that we have to spend money on, like our rent and our car and our food and all the things, our utilities are more than the amount that we make. (laughs) How are we going to make this work? And we were trying to avoid going into debt at that season of life. But it's like, what if for you, we start with practicing, like I, I actually do have what I need for today. I actually have enough. And like, for me that like, like, okay, just lifts my stress and my worry a little bit. And I actually have found, I started to say this, like in those seasons where it's like the numbers don't work on paper, that's when like God really shows his abundance because we have always been taken care of. We have always had enough for what we needed. Sometimes we did use credit cards. And I like to see that as another example of God's abundance. We didn't have the money in the bank, but we were still able to do and get the things that we needed to get because of credit, which is a really beautiful blessing. And I'm grateful for that. So that's the first thing I would say, Callie, is just letting yourself practice. Like I have enough for today because the thing that's making you feel stressed, like there is not enough, right? Which can be, which can feel true in the moment. But what if we just play around with, we're going to, it's going to be okay. Okay. Laura says, I felt a lot of these things, same things, Tressa. Laura says, how do I stop blaming the economy slash algorithm slash outside sources for the ups and downs of my sales? Okay. So here's the thing about ups and downs of sales. Sometimes I get a little, let me say I used to, especially with my, my product business, Laura, I know yours is a product business too. So you can relate with this is like, I would, I would get super wrapped up in the ups and downs, but something that I like to see is that you know how I was using the example of like nature examples in nature of God's abundance. There are ups and downs in God's design too. There are winters. There are springs that are for planting. There are summers that are for growing There are fall seasons that are for harvesting. And so instead of seeing that as like, this is a bad thing that my sales are down or that my sales are up. I just like to see it as this is just a, a part of the seasons. This is just a part of the landscape. You could even go and say like, this is part of God's design. I don't know about you guys. Maybe I'll speak for myself. I learn more in the down seasons that I do in the up seasons, which not, not always are those seasons super fun, but they also help me really rely on faith in God. They help me really rely on trust and practice believing that like, 
my success is inevitable. And so if that's true, is there something that I want to try differently that sounds fun? Is there something else that I haven't done yet that I want to try? Instead of layering on the stress by like the ups and downs are a bad thing. Again, this kind of lends to what Callie was just saying. of Like, yeah, but there's actual like bills to pay, right? And financial needs that have to be met. Yes, that's true. But what if we lean into this is like a framework that you could take, that all of you could take from this call. When I start to notice myself getting heavy about money and feeling compressed and stressed, I like to, this is like the actual thought work that I like to do. I like to journal about it. I like to spend a lot of time thinking about it. It's like, okay, what is the emotional outcome that I want here? I want to feel peace. Well, I can feel peace no matter how much money is in my bank account. I can feel peace when it's at zero. It takes a lot of mind management and it takes practice. You know, when my brain is saying all the reasons why it's not a good thing, I have to learn how to quiet that part of my brain and say, it's actually okay. We have everything that we need. I have my family. We have our health. We have our home. We have oper- we have access to debt if we need it. But the feeling that I'm looking for here is peace. And I get to have that even in this financial picture right now. That's a really, I think that'd be a good practice for all of us, but something that I like to do. Okay, Brianna, I do have time for you. Hop on here and let's chat. Okay, so um, I'm in the business where I have to spend money to make money usually. So meaning I have blankets, I have to make them and then you sell them. Same with markets. Um, But lately I've been really in my head on and kind of feeling like it's holding me back as far as um, playing bigger because we've been working really hard on getting our debt paid off on credit cards. Um, but when I look at these, um, big markets or investments and things where I have to spend a lot of money, I find myself saying, I'm not going to do that because it's going to cost me X amount of dollars. And I just got that paid off on my credit card. And so I keep in this mindset where I'm circling back. How do you change that? So you're not Like I can spend the money and I can make it back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. This makes me think of like, (laughs) there was a little while where I paid for this, um, this bookkeeper for poppy seed plate that would send me like a graph of our net profit and our net and our expenses each month. And it would seriously be like expenses up here one month, net profit down here. And the next month it'd be like expenses down here, net profit up here. Right. And it was just like, this all the time. And I really, seeing it visually gave me a new opportunity to really practice managing my mind around that and not seeing that as a problem. So a question that I have for you is when you, when you like, let's say just for example, put um, order inventory on a credit card, how confident do you feel that the sales are going to come through? Um, Honestly, probably very little confidence because that's kind of the way I run my business is I do a lot of custom stuff. So I put it out there like, if you want this, here it is. And you can order it instead of saying, here's all of this inventory. And I have a small and a large and a, you know, a baby size. And so I think that's part of the reason why I do custom is because I'm afraid of not selling it. Okay, I think that's actually going to be the work for you is like if if you had the confidence that the product would sell, you wouldn't have the drama and the stress about the investment. 
So how can we get Brianna closer to feeling more confident that her products, whether or not, here's the thing I want you to see, like if you want to lean into custom products, that's a really good business model. Or if you want to lean out and just have like your flagship product line that people buy on repeat, you can lean into that too. And you can have a little bit of both. I don't want to make it seem either or, right? You can have a little bit of both. I really do love the custom. Yeah. And I think like that is something I always want to continue to do, but I also like have this um, thought where I want to keep a lot of my own designs to where I can just sell them frequently. And that's where kind of markets come into is I want to have my designs at markets and be able to say, here's everything I offer, you know, buy it up. But I'm, I'm just like, well, what if they don't like it? You know, what if on the shelf is the wrong size? And that's, I think why I really like custom too. Mm. I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> mm, interesting. Me too. <laughs> or I have been historically. I have acted. I like to say I act like a people pleaser sometimes. You're not a people pleaser. Sometimes you just think and act the way that someone who people pleases does, but that's not part of your identity. So one question I have for you is if when you look more at like what I actually want to do, is there any like, actually, I would love to do just custom. No, because I still like the the idea of me offering something and saying, this is what I, this is what I have to offer. This is a design that I've exclusively made and seeing people react to that. I really like that part of it. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to check and see like, wait, is that actually the business model that you want, but you're not? Well, and that's, that's what I think it's kind of hard too, is I'm a little bit confused. Like, I feel like I have to have this like 100% niche, you know, like Mm. I do, I advertise that like, I do custom and honestly, that's a lot of what I do, but I still have a lot on my shelf too. Um, but I'd say most people come to me and say, I want a blanket with cats on it. And I'm like, okay, we can do that. You know? Um, but I think I'm holding myself back because I can't say, here's a bunch of things on my shelf. Come and get it. Does the idea of only taking custom orders sound fun? Yes but it's, I feel like it's not enough. Something that's interesting about this, like, first of all, I really like your awareness. Like, wait, no, that actually would be kind of fun is sometimes it's hard to let yourself explore that opportunity because of the way that you have been doing it. Right. And it's like, oh, but then I wouldn't have those sales, Mm -hmm. the sales of like your, let's just call them like your core product line of like the neutral colors and all the sizes and things. Right. So I I want to I want to make sure you know I don't think there's a right or wrong way to run your business model here but I think it's interesting that what's actually showing up for you here is the fear of being able to not make the sales. It's actually not the fear of debt. There might be a little bit of that and we can work on that too. No, but it's actually it's actually it could be like I'm scared that I won't make the sales and it could be actually like friction of like this isn't the business model that I want to run. Interesting. And just to play around with this, if you, let's just say tomorrow you stopped selling, you sold out all of your core product line and went 100% custom, your brain's going to think, oh, but I wouldn't make those sales. But think about the cash that would be available if you didn't have this product line, you would have way more cash available. You wouldn't have to be spending money on that inventory that would sit on the shelves and not sell, right? And Mm -hmm. could lean 100% of your time into custom orders, Would you talk about custom orders more often? Would you start to be known as the girl who does the custom minky blankets? 
you know, those are some of those like opportunities that haven't been available to you yet, but could, could be the thing that helps, helps you so that you can feel confidence that you know how to make the sales. Right. Just some options. Again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, just interesting things to play around with. Yeah, no, I like that. That's, that's good um, thoughts for me to think about. Okay. Come back and chat with me on Instagram if you have questions. Okay. Um, Jewel says, thanks so much, Kaylin. Love your presentation. Have to go to another meeting. Lots of love. Love your abundant mindset. Awesome. Love this, you guys. Okay. So good. Seriously, I want to make sure that you all know I would love to chat with you in Instagram. If you have more questions or want follow-up work on this. Also, those of you who are here are the first ones to know. I'm going to be opening the doors for a unique program that I haven't really offered before that I think I'm either going to call the incubator or the greenhouse. <laughs> if you saw my stories on Instagram yesterday, I'm trying to figure out what to call it, but it's going to be an eight week program that's going to take you th- through with me, basically the months of November and December with my help, those crazy busy seasons where there's a lot of decisions to make. There's a lot of action to take. If you want your November, December to be profitable and to make the sales, but also feel peaceful, I'm going to offer this eight week basically group coaching program like this, where we'll do these group group calls like this and have my support to make sure that you stay on track with your goals of making a lot of money, but not overworking through that season. So more on that to come. I'll be sending lots of emails and um, information on Instagram. So keep your ears out if that sounds like something interesting for you. But besides that, I hope you guys have an amazing day. Have fun practicing your new money thinking and we'll chat more soon, okay? Bye, you guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening in today. Are we already friends on Instagram? If not, come over and follow me at kaylin.priest. It's the best way to get tons of free value that I put out into the world through my content and also to stay up to date on my current offers and ways that you can get more support and coaching from me. So come over, follow me on Instagram and send me a DM to say hi and let's be friends.